This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Dr. Peter Drotman, Editor-in-Chief of the Emerging Infectious Disease Journal, and I'm talking today with Dr. Paul Mead, and we're going to discuss an article that he was the lead author of back in 1999 that is in our Hall of Fame at the Journal, because it is the most highly cited uh, article in the history of EID, which is now uh, noting its 20 years of, uh, its first 20 years of publication. Paul, you authored the article titled, Food-Related Illness and Death in the United States. It was published in 1999 and has garnered the greatest number of citations in the history of EID publications. Why do you think that's the case? I'd like to tell you that I think it's because it's such a brilliant article, but I'm afraid that the answer is a lot less glamorous and and more mundane than that. And there are really sort of several explanations. Um, The first is, you know, I think most scientific articles have a burden statement, be it about foodborne disease or malaria or tuberculosis, something to let the reader know why the topic is important. And so this estimate provided that number um, uh, for foodborne diseases. Another contributing factor is that foodborne diseases are very common. It is a big topic, both uh, foodborne disease in general and then each individual disease. And so what that means is there are an awful lot of publications on foodborne disease, and every one of them needs to cite that number to... to, uh, uh, start off their paper. I, I will say, I think there's one other reason, and I, I think it's important in terms of EID as it approaches this 20th year anniversary, and that is that EID was available um, for free and online, I think, at a time when many other journals were not yet um, available that way, and I think that helps more readers get to the articles and, and to read them. So I think that speaks to the foresight of the of the journal founders. And do you still get uh, inquiries about this article? (laughs) Well, happily, um, those have fallen off a great deal. Um, As you may know, CDC has published newer updated estimates of foodborne disease a few years back, and so that that has cut down on the the number of inquiries I get. So to arrive at the uh, uh, major data that represented... uh, in that landmark article, you had to have uh, the contributions of a great many experts in a variety of both specific foodborne organisms as well as methods to uh, generate the, uh, the total number of infections per year for each of them. And getting them all to agree to a one set of uh, numbers and a result and a presentation must have taken some doing. What, what went into that? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. Foodborne disease, the term encompasses a great many different conditions and involves a great many experts, both on, the, on individual diseases, um, also statistician and others who can weigh in on methodology. So it is a bit of a, a circus, I guess. Um, and I think that's that's an important thing for 
for, pe- for scientists or young scientists to understand when they undertake uh, something like this, that, that a lot of it is about working with your co-authors and trying to, to bring it to fruition. I think in this particular case, many of the people I was working with were colleagues at CDC, and although we are in different divisions and different branches and different disciplines, um, we know each other, and um, for better or worse, and, and I think um, can reach out to each other and, and uh, come to a consensus. It wasn't easy by any means, but with a lot of work um, and sort of mutual trust and understanding, we were able to get there. So tell us something about the specific mechanics. Did you have a writing committee? Did you set up regular meetings? Or were you the central writer and send drafts circulating them? What What are some hints for others who want to take up such an ambitious uh, research project? Well, probably the way to do it is not the way uh, <laughs> we did it. But I think that, um, uh, it, you know, I... It, I think the short answer to it is about 10,000 drafts uh, that we kept going back and forth with the numbers and changing them and working it through. Um, I was really most of the writing committee, again, for better or worse. But certainly we had group meetings where we would get together and discuss um, either specific or general topics and uh, ways the numbers were going and ways to approach the data um, and try and work that through. But uh, a lot of it was back and forth, and, I, and part of both the the challenge and maybe uh, the forgiving part of it was that for some diseases, a great deal wasn't really known at the time. Or we we know, for example, that norovirus is a very important and common disease, but exactly how much of it was foodborne and how much of it was due to other modes of transmission um, was is really very little evidence at that point, and. I think for people who read the paper carefully, you'll realize that uh, as much as anything, it points out gaps in knowledge um, that have to be filled. And uh, so it's fairly easy to come to a consensus on what we don't know. Uh, It's harder to get everybody to agree on what we do know sometimes. So what are some of the ways that we do know that uh, these agents get into the food chain? Well... the the mechanism or the means by which food becomes contaminated is really almost as diverse as food itself. Um, you know, we eat a great many things, and there are many ways pathogens can can find their way into the food supply. So historically, um, you know, food handlers prob- probably played a, a fairly big role. We think of people like Typhoid Mary and others who um, may have contaminated food for a period of time. Um, but much of our food now comes from uh, a, a centralized process where it's produced in large quantity at central places, and uh, much of it, um, much of the contamination now we see with uh, salmonella or listeria is really part of um, either introduction on the farm uh, into meat or produce of, of essentially cow feces or animal feces that may contain pathogens. So um, either from the farm or in the manufacturing process. For example, listeria is an organism that can live in uh, cold conditions in in factories and plants, and when it gets into certain foods, it can replicate. So there there are many steps along the way, everywhere from um, shellfish being harvested in the sea um, to 
uh, on the farm to in the factory to the food handler. And at any one of those points, uh, a pathogen or certain pathogens can get into food. And that's probably why foodborne disease is um, as common as it is. And so what is the consumer to do? How do people prevent the transmission of these uh, uh, agents through their food? Right. Well, I think food safety is really a, a team effort. Um, it really involves many different um, players uh, who can have a role, including uh, food producers, food regulators, such as USDA and FDA. Um, what consumers can do on their part uh, are several things. Um, first is uh, to, in general, avoid eating uh, raw animal products, particularly if you're someone who has an underlying uh, immunocompromising condition or, um, or liver disease, for example, which can put you at higher risk of certain infections. So that means avoiding things such as raw oysters, uh, raw ground beef, raw eggs, unpasteurized milk, um, that sort of thing. So I think through food choices, people can reduce their risk. Similarly, um, there are some very standard food safety practices that people can understand, such as keeping cold foods cold, hot foods hot, cooking uh, meat to an internal temperature of 165, working to keep cutting boards clean and avoid cross-contamination in the kitchen. All of these are things that uh, people can do to help reduce their risk of getting foodborne disease. And I think uh, uh, consumers can find a lot of information about this on, on websites, probably better than I can explain. And don't forget to wash your hands. And don't forget to wash your hands. So... You've had a major career change in uh, the last few decades since the publication of this paper, moving from uh, food safety and uh, uh, into vector-borne uh, infectious diseases. But it seems that some of the experience and uh, you know developed skills that are transferable from one area of public health to another. Can you? Tell us about that. Uh, does that work out? Well, I, I think is food safety a good place for people to start and, uh, and develop some of these skills? Well, I think one of the nice things about epidemiology as a, as a science uh, and public health as a practice is that they are um, transferable and that you learn certain skills and certain approaches um, that can apply to many different um, public health problems and, and, and different types of infectious diseases. I think uh, for, uh, you know, as a form of training, uh, experience in foodborne disease um, is excellent. It, it depends a little bit upon what you uh, plan to do in epidemiology and public health. But for experience with acute, hands-on, uh, rapid response um, public health, foodborne can't be beat. Um, and there are several reasons for this. First, everybody eats uh, usually multiple times a day, so there's almost universal potential for exposure. The food supply is always changing and evolving, and so there are frequent, almost constant foodborne outbreaks, and they are often involve a new twist, which can be challenging as an epidemiologist to sort out. An acute foodborne outbreak allows a person the opportunity to use surveillance data to 
to identify the outbreak, to generate a hypothesis, to do a case control study to test that hypothesis, data to analyze, and, uh, and when you got it right, um, action to take um, to either recall a food or put in place some sort of policy that would help prevent similar outbreaks in the future. And so I think that process is a very fundamental process to public health, um, and, uh, and foodborne diseases provide ample opportunity for a person to get that exposure and experience. Uh, this is Dr. Peter Drotman. I'm speaking with Dr. Paul Mead at the 64th Annual uh, Epidemic Intelligence Service Conference, an annual conference sponsored by the Centers for Disease Control and its main function is to report the outbreak investigations that have taken place uh, both in the United States and internationally in the past year. A great many of them still relate to foodborne infections. So it is somewhat timely that we're discussing Dr. Mee's landmark paper on food-related illness and death in the United States, originally published in October 1999, but you can still read that paper in open access fashion on the pages of the Emerging Infectious Diseases Journal at www.cdc.gov. For the most accurate health information, visit www.cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.